Good afternoon and welcome to UCL's lunch hour lectures, our very first one held virtually. The lunch hour lectures are a tradition at UCL since 1942, and despite the lockdown, this activity continues today as an expression of UCL's commitment to sharing research with the wider public. I am professor of chemical engineering at UCL and director of UCList, our new campus at the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. I will be introducing today's lecture, which is about uh, contemporary public art at UCList. We open our new campus in 2022 and it will bring together academics and students from eight faculties across UCL. Through public art, we have been growing reciprocal relationships with the local communities in the east of London by connecting researchers with artists through the PSRC funded trellis program. It is about this that Tom Wilkinson and David Ricard will be talking to, to us about in today's lecture. So Sam has worked within the field of public art for 30 years for public and private clients, and her work focuses on the role that the artist can play in shaping our public realm. She has commissioned a number of permanent works, also and in particular on the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park, where UC List is being constructed today. And David Ricardo will join um, he's from New Zealand originally, he's based in London, and he was involved with the trellis program that will be presented in the presentation today. So he's an architect by background, and his work attempts to understand through research and experimentation how we have arrived at our current perception of the physical world and how far our perception is from what we call a reality. Thank you everybody for joining us this afternoon to talk about public art. Um, today we're going to focus on the work currently under development at UCL East, which is on the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. As Paola explained, I've been at UCL now for three years, and during this time we have prepared and formally adopted a public art policy, which is quite unique within universities. This outlines our commitment and UCL's very particular approach to working with artists at the university. Funding for our work comes from the UCL Capital Programme. So as we transform our campus at UCL, we're able to take artists with us on that journey. Public art can be a useful catch-all term, and as such is widely used, but the general understanding of the term does not mirror our approach to public art at UCL. Simplistically speaking, public art has been delivered as a result of planning obligations for developers, for private and governmental, to ameliorate the impact of development for the local community. UCL, as do many other commissioners, embrace a more sophisticated stance on the value of process of making art and encourage artistic observations and responses to societal situations and change. As a result, we've been able to push the boundaries of commissioning to make a place for more diverse artistic practice and evolve the expected roles of, use of artists. To create work that is permanent, temporary, time-based, durational and ephemeral. And at this time of COVID-19, we continue to embrace the digital public realm. We that artists make work that contributes to debate about society and how we function within 
and make use of our public realm. Public art that is more socially engaged results in meaningful relationships with our community partners. At UCL, we develop artworks that we hope are a reflection of the character of the institution, which generates discourse around our research and teaching with our student body and our community neighbours. I'm now going to talk for a while um, about two commissions actually on the Bloomsbury campus. These are the first commissions we developed after I joined the organisation. These were for the new student centre on Gordon Street, which is next to our newly refurbished Bloomsbury Theatre. The centre offers over a thousand student study spaces and a new front door into our campuses. For this building, we invited artists who work, have worked or studied at UCL Slade School of Fine Art to express interest in making a work for the building. We were very fortunate to commission collaborative duo, John Thompson and Alison Craighead. John is a senior lecturer at Slade and Rachel Whiteread to develop works for the building. Both installations are publicly accessible and located at the heart of the new centre for students. This is the building, now open and fully operational. And this is the interior of the building. The first work by Thompson and Craighead was conceived the response to the truly international community at UCL and to reflect on UCL's place in the wider world. The piece, Here, Not Here, is an artwork of two-channel installation which takes anonymised admissions data directly from UCL and simultaneously displays what countries are represented through our students and our academic body. On the left-hand screen, and on the right-hand screen, countries that have no representation at the university. The stream of real-time data is on an endless rotation on two identical decorative grids. Untitled Slade Pinboard by Rachel Whiteread is a personal response to her time as a student at UCL in the 1980s. Her aim was to take and transpose something from the Slade that represented a significant memory to her. The archaic notice board at the bottom of the main stairs in the School of Fine Art is remembered as a central meeting place for students, lecturers alike, a place for information exchange. And I'm glad to say that the notice board is still there. For Rachel, taking the archaic notice board and setting it within a new building with its current communication technologies represented a duality that she wanted to confront. There is a range of other works in development at Bloomsbury, but at this time, I'm going to focus on the work in East London. This is our campus in East London, and it represents the largest single expansion in, in the last 200 years of UCL. We're in currently phase one of the development, and we're exploring how public art can inform the building themselves, raise awareness of UCL during construction, and to consider how people will visit and use our publicly accessible campus once it's opened. In phase one, we have Pool Street, which is the tall building on our left, and Marsh Gate One, designed by Lifshutz, Davidson Sanderlands and Stanton Williams, respectively. 
Paul Street West will offer student accommodation, academic research and teaching, and community and engagement use with retail and food and drink offers that will be open to all. And Marshgate, the building on the right, um, similarly has been designed to encourage wide public access to the large scale atrium with cafe and community spaces. That's Paul Street West and Marshgate. The art programme continues UCL's commitment to inter interdisciplinary working and the power of dialogue. We are seeking to make visible the research and teaching of UCL and in doing so build sustainable relationships with our local communities. How dialogue with external partners and communities inform and shapes our research and teaching and consolidates our positive presence in East London. Our programme focuses on focuses on establishing collaborative relationships with artists, academics, researchers, students and the local communities to the park. Public art is part of UCL culture. Within culture, we have teams of public engagement specialists who work with our research and academic community to support and develop innovative and meaningful ways to engage with wider publics. We have community engage engagement specialists specific to East, East, the EAST programme and public programmers who contribute to the thinking and planning on how we reach and engage people in our work. These teams all come together to inform and support the public art programme. The structure allows us to generally find ways of building collaborative partnerships with our local communities. Our plans are ambitious and we are committed to building the programme in an iterative and responsive way and some projects will take the appropriate time to build themselves and grow through ongoing evaluation. The first project I'd like to share is Trellis, just entering into its second year. Trellis is a programme of work that focuses on knowledge exchange between academics, artists and communities. The project was the first instance born out of EPSRC funding and now also forms an important part of the public art activities. In developing Trellis, our first challenge was to think about how we would bring researchers and artists together. We wanted to offer open and experimental ways to invite artists and academics to create projects that were as meaning and valuable as meaning and valuable to all those involved, allowing a parity for ideas and experience to flourish. We did this through a series of matchmaking events. I won't talk too much about this as David will be joining the conversation shortly and he might share his experience a little. But through a process of blind dating, walking, talking and eating, nine artists, researchers, partnerships presented themselves. Some funding was offered to develop their thinking and then four partnerships were further funded to make, take their work to fruition in a public exhibition in the park in 2019. I'll describe one or two of these outcomes. The first project by artist Amanda Lewin, who worked with Dr. Tse Hui Te and Lena Kirik, through the summer of 2019, this team worked with allotmenteers in East London. Portable urinals designed and printed by Amanda were given to allotment holders who were encouraged to consider the importance of homemade fertilizer. Hui's research is concerned with how water and sanitation infrastructure can be more sustainable and equally the value of public participation in generating change. During the exhibition, Amanda made the sculpture in, inspired by the ravine goddess Artemis that hosted the urinals and the team also organised events to celebrate and consume the fertilised and grown food created on the allotment during the summer. I should say, in describing all these projects, I'm perhaps not doing justice to the deep ideas and research that the projects re reflected. The second project, called 
No Smell, No Dirt, No Trouble was a multimedia installation by artist Lucy Harrison working with Effie Kostopoulou. Lucy makes work in collaboration with people who live and work in places she explores and how the history of these places resonate in the present. And Effie, a doctoral researcher from the Bartlett School of Architecture, explores how physical spaces relate to local memory and culture. Here, the exhibition took the form of an audio work, film, text and a book, which were focusing on the industries that once populated the Queen Elizabeth Park, from paint and sweet and jam factories. They explored colour and the meaning of colour and words that were collected through all histories and studies. And during the exhibition, they led quite a number of workshops about the historic use of plants and flowers. This was exhibited in the Last Drop Cafe um, on the Queen Elizabeth Park. The third of the fourth projects um, is called Point Patterns, a collaboration between artist Alison Turnbull and Elsa Arcote, a theoretical physicist and flamenco dancer. It was a joint investigation in factual patterns, mapping on colour coding, urban systems, and they worked through drawing, dance, film, and central for the work was a film by Hugo Glendinning. This was an incredible collaboration that evolved where uh, the Siobhan Davis Dance Company and a range of different professionals all came together to explore the um, intricate findings of the research between the artists and academic. The fourth project, I'll leave David to talk through. Um, I want to just say that evaluation on this project has been vital and we've made a lot of learnings from it. And as we launch Trellis 2, we are developing it in response to that learning. It's notable to say that though we've just launched Trellis 2, it, our launch has taken place just before the COVID-19 outbreak. And many of our submissions were clearly reflective of the situation and their work and proposed work is shaped in a way to consider the impact of the lockdown of people's lives and are being developed in a way that we can still ensure community engagement will form a vital part of each project. I feel really hopeful that the artist research partnerships will result, result in some very important reflections, give voice to people during the crisis and con contribute to learning about the pandemic for the future. I should also add that Trellis will be an ongoing programme during the construction of UCL East and this Trellis 2 will be launched in spring 2019. A project which is well into development and similarly affected by um, the circuit situation that we're all living in now is a project called City Mill Skate. This is an 18 month long artist academic research project led by Dr. Esther Sayers and artist Sam Griffin with further academic partnership with Ian Borden of the Bartlett School of Architecture. This research project focuses on skateboarding as a method for community and cultural engagement. We see skateboarding as a highly dramatic activity, a new sport in the Olympic games, and it is also for many a very important area for culture, fashion and art, but with health and well-being at its heart. The arts play an important role in its representation. And we are exploring skateboarding as a sustainable mode of transport and as an activity that can contribute to a wider understanding of how we use our public spaces. I should say, very importantly, City Mill Skate is not about building a new or singing or dancing skate park, but about how the skateboard community can contribute to thinking about our public realm, becoming skatable with sensitivity to and in partnership with other users of the public realm in a very democratic way. 
City Millsgate has an established community partnership that expands diversity of age, genders and different communities in East London. The project, when we can, will offer free skate lessons open to all and design workshops to create ideas for skatable objects that could be integrated within the wider public realm of our campus and potentially elsewhere in the Queen Elizabeth Park. City Millscape continues these in these uncertain times and a design work with communities is ongoing. We have just launched a free skate dot kit and um, a model kit for not the real thing and to ensure continu continuity of ideas and development. A website is already um, in development and we have a live Instagram page, which I can you see a few images of here and we continue to grow our community. I'm keen to invite David to um, speak now but before I finish two further and very significant commissions are under development at UCL East and I refer you back to the two images of the building um, of Pill Street West and Marshgate. We are currently in extended artist selection processes for these two buildings and we are inviting artists to establish collaborations and research projects with our architects and academics with a view to making permanent installation within the primary public spaces in these buildings. We anticipate that these works will become focal points and important contributors to how people use the buildings as students, staff, academics and visitors to UCL East alike. I will be sharing updates on these projects as they progress on the UCL East and UCL Culture Public Art websites. So please do watch this space and hopefully we can share more information as the programme evolves. David will talk very, a bit more about his time at on the Trellis project. Um, but I hope that what we've shown is that the work that the artist did in the year one has set some really strong um, precedents and methodologies that we have embraced within um, the UCL East project team. And as we move into phase two and the ongoing trellis programme, we'll be looking for more and more ways that this work can be embedded and become a more significant part of UCL East and its future. And hopefully when we go into phase, later phases of UCL, all this thinking will be, be uh, able to be embraced and taken forward as we develop the campus. Hi, sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm having terrible connection problems here. However, um, I hope that you are doing a sterling job there. I'll, I'll talk forward a little bit about the project from um, Trellis last year, which um, was in collaboration with um, Tony Kenyon, a professor of... Um, nanoelectric and nanophotonic um, materials, researching um, incredible areas such as neuromorphic materials and self-assembling nanostructures. It was also in collaboration um, with um, Beyond Sight Loss, a community group from East London, helping um, people who have a severe visual um, impairment and uh, those who are blind as well. So it was a combination of collaborations. Um, the work resulted um, in, in three sculptures, um, which you can see here at um, the Olympic Park near UCL East. Um, and I'm going to, just going to talk for a few minutes about the, um, the journey and the process um, that arrived at these sculptures, and we'll come back to them at, at the end. Um, firstly, um, through various works, I've collaborated with different scientists on, on, on different projects, but with Tony, I was absolutely fascinated with the um, the research which he's doing, but also the newness of it. I mean, it's really only in the 1980s that nanotechnology um, leapt forward as a, a, a branch of science. And that was really due to advances in technology um, and in particular microscopes. 
the issue being um, that um, below um, a sort of 400 to 700 nanometers, um, beyond the visible spectrum of light. So we're, we're beyond what can be perceived with any optical microscope. And so looking at that and just thinking at this diagram about scale, as we go down through the largest scale on this is one millimeter, and we're going down, you know, the human here and 100,000 nanometers in diameter. And going down further and further, we go past the visual spectrum, and then we're into the scale of viruses and DNA. And I had a quick look this morning, in fact, to sort of out of uh, current reference that the COVID-19 virus is, is around 120 to 160 nanometers in scale. So slightly smaller than the, uh, the, the wavelength of blue light. So it was looking at this threshold, this threshold of what we can see um, and, and what's beyond that. And looking at this in particular with Tony's lab, we were looking at the atomic force microscope, which was um, first used in, in the 1980s, the mid 80s. And the way in which it gets around this issue of not being able to um, sort of engage optically with something is to touch it. And it uses a, a little, um, it's like a stylus from a record player almost, but an incredibly fine scale to move across surfaces um, to pick up variations in those surfaces by rubbing or tapping the surface. And then using a laser um, to measure those variations, it takes the information to build a picture. And for me, this had a great sort of analogy and reference to um, the way that in which um, visually impaired people build a, a environment through touch and through tactile perception. Here, obviously, the image with Braille, but also within the urban environment um, the, in which we rely on touch to, uh, to build a picture. And so that brought together this sort of uh, reference between technology and science and actually our perception of, of place and spaces and materials. And in terms of materials, we looked really kind of dug into the, the history of the site and we're thinking about that some of the past industrial uses and there was the um a copper mill and copper mill lane just further up um uh, the lee, in the lee valley from the site which was uh, working with the production and uh, refinement of copper um but also copper is a material which is sort of um uh, completely interconnected between uh, all of us just today in uh, modern society it really empowers our, our cables and electricity um it's connecting us with this talk um, and it's also embedded within the atomic force microscopes and data, processing the data to build those images. Copper also has another element which is fascinating in the sense of its material surface. When it's touched, it corrodes, leaving a trace of, um, of fingerprints and touches on that. So it's really kind of taking a very um, physical relationship to touch and, and mapping that back. So we took a, a very highly mirror polished um, sheet of copper into the lab at um, UCL and we scanned it with an atomic force microscope at the scales equal to um, yellow, um, red and blue light. And those are um, 400 to um, 550 to 700 nanometers. Um, and they were then processed um, through a whole range of sort of leaps of um, programming to take the information to build up 3D printable forms. And we printed out a number of swatches which were randomly scanned from that single sheet of copper at each of the three wavelengths for red, yellow and blue. They were then brought into the studio and we worked with um, Beyond Sightless, the, um, the group, um, and there was uh, a number of um, visually impaired and um, blind participants who came and collaborated on the project. They took these samples um, and they assessed them and it was uh, a process of, of using um, touch, obviously, to 
critique each of those samples to think about them in terms of the uh, the texture and the form. So through tactile um, engagement with them, they decided which were the preferable ones and which were the least preferable ones. And incredibly, there was complete consensus um, throughout the day about which would be the preferred um, samples which would become the sculptures. They were then printed up large. Um, they were printed up um, uh, to the scale of one million times the original form. So going from, in this case, 700 nanometers for red light to 700 millimeters um, in, in perimeter form. And then they were finished with copper. So we, we returned to the original form. So here we've got um, blue on the left, yellow and red in terms of the uh, scale and the, the samples. And they're copper plated on the outside um, to sort of bring them back to the original materiality. And they were then placed in the park and they were placed, which was accessible to engage with. Um, they were placed on um, copper, highly polished copper sheets um, reflecting those reforms back into the material, but also picking up um, the um, engagement of people as they, they touch and um, walk around those works. So the work was kind of a loop, it was sort of looping back and forth between the, the tactile process of technology, um, of the collaboration um, with um, Beyond Sight Loss, and then also the public itself. And here, the last image I have um, is uh, Bridie, one of the uh, participants and collaborators from uh, Beyond Sight Loss engaging with the work at full scale after being involved with selecting the forms in the studio um, for production. So um, thank you. I hope that all came through smoothly because I'm having a little bit of a terrible glitches with technology, but um, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Sam and David. Um, I would like to, to thank Sam and David very much. So now we can open the floor uh, for some questions. And I can see that some have already been posted uh, on Slido. Um, so Sam, there is a question which I will direct to you, which is about uh, the uh, involvement of the artist in, in future commissions. So, so how can, uh, how, how does this um, happen? Uh, so in terms of artists who'd like to be involved in the project? Yeah, the question is how can artists get involved in future commissions? Right, okay. Yes, yes, of course. I mean, particularly talking about Trellis, um, this year we did do an open call um, and we tried to spread that as um, widely as we can, with, we could within all the arts mechanisms. Um, and interestingly, we did have over 159 artists apply to be part of Trellis this year. That will be a process that we will um, engage with again next year. But um, we are constantly looking to build better knowledge and better relationships with artists and artist communities in East London. And all of our commissions are in some way um, offered to people through some kind of competitive process. We try and look at different ways of reaching artists. So in a way, the first and the best way of getting in, in potentially getting involved is to make contact with me. Um, we have a public art email address on the public art site and I'm very happy to meet, talk and hear about artists who are interested in working with us. Thank you. A second yeah. question, which I guess uh, either of you, Sam and David, can, can respond to, is the following. How do you ensure that the artworks and their creators reflect the diverse community we live in and are inclusive and accessible to all? Should I go first? <laughs> I mean, obviously, that's something that we're very um, mindful of and very considered. We, 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 we appoint artists on merit based on um, 
how well they respond to very particular briefs and that have been involved. Obviously, within, say, Trellis, we are looking to genuinely work across as many different communities and uh, community representations as we can. Um, and we are always open to hear from people who feel that we're not reaching them or we might have not engaged with them in some way. Um, and yes, yeah, so we try and be competitive, we try and be open, we try and make sure we're reaching as many people as we can to explore opportunities. Um, we, we always miss things and we're always open to being shared ideas of things that we haven't perhaps addressed fully. David, would you like to add anything to some? Um... Yeah, engagement with the um, in community. I mean, for me, uh, the works really um, inform that process. Um, each work um, that I, I, I develop, it's some. I mean, it's more often than not at the moment that we're working with um, with community engagement. Um, and in this one, it really wasn't. In fact, the, the beyond sight loss and working with them as a as a group project wasn't at the end as the start it was really a collaboration and working with tony and discussing um nanotechnology and and through those discussions we we identified this really interesting parallel to uh, vision and perception and uh, the actual process of engaging in, in um within the um the community in east london um from was fantastic and fascinating in the response and uh, engagement with uh, Paola, can I also just um, very quickly um, reflect on the City Millscape work um, communities that yeah. we're developing there? Um, we have very consciously um, been aware that people of all sorts of generations skate um, and women are learning and young girls, but have there is a perception that they're not engaged in the activity as much as young men. And we've been exploring those issues and looking at diversity across um, skateboarding. And it, so it is something in that particular project that we're very, very sensitive to and mindful and saying, who really wants to skateboard? How can we make that more open? How can we make it even more democratic? Uh, skateboard is the same price for your Tony Hawks as, as they are for a kid going out and skateboarding for the first time. So there is a real openness and that I think hopefully will um, roll out into the breadth of people that we can start working with more on that programme. Excellent. I'm flicking through the questions and so I will pop up on the another question which uh, has been asked by more than one person. So great idea for a public artwork, bravo. The idea that art can actually be touched. Uh, presumably there will be a conservation plan. That's the question. <laughs> I'd better answer that one as well. Yeah. Um, yes, um, we, I think yeah, one of the very important uh, things I sort of said, Shall I finish this very quickly and then hand to David? Um, having established a policy at UCL, we also obviously therefore consider the artworks that we commission to be part of our public art collection, and thereby we have a long-term commitment to their care. And so every time we finish a new work, we will obviously have a proper maintenance plan, 
conservation plan and look at how we will make sure that they become meaningful collections. Obviously, all public art doesn't last forever. So our conservation plan is also looking at how we would sort of decommission work in a timely way, in an appropriate way. So the, li the life and the functionality and the appropriateness of the work is always um, reviewed and protected through the public art policy and our conservation planning. So I don't know whether, Sam, you can answer this question. Uh, it's about uh, at UCL, do art degrees include topics that have collaborations with other departments such as physics? And can you choose with these topics between departments? I guess we're not entirely sure how it works for art degrees. Do you know? I, I can answer that to a degree, but obviously um, I think um, someone from the Slade would be best placed right, to answer yeah. that yeah. In, in detail. But I know um, the Slade have a, a whole range of research programmes that they run looking at very particular issues such as materiality, public realm. They often have scientists in residence into the Slade, so they are very much about interdisciplinary working through the students. One of the things I haven't mentioned that um, Paola and I have been doing is we have Slade artists or next year hopefully Slade or Bartlett School of Architecture students working in residence with us. So I know the Slade is constantly developing opportunities for wider skills development and practice that isn't necessarily purely studio based. But in terms of um, cross um, teaching between different departments, I, I probably wouldn't be the best person to answer that. But we can find out the answer if people want us to share that after today. Okay, excellent. Thank you, Sam. And what you just said, then reflecting part of the next question, which was about how many public artworks are there at UC list? And can you outline the cost for this project? So I assume that this um, this is in, in, in relation specifically to the trellis project, so the kind of funding that can be made available for public art through that. Okay, um, so at UCL East, we are looking at um, this program of um, particularly, let's stay, stay with Trellis, where we are generating lots of opportunities for artists and uh, um, academic collaboration. Some of them will exist only for the duration of the project. Some of them might evolve and become more embedded within the development as we um, start to plan for opening. Um, the actual budgetary um, opportunities around Trellis are, um, there's a, a significant, say, a third of the budget for the project comes from um, EPSRC, which is the Engineering and Physical Science Research Council. Their objective is for us to spend money and look at how we can explore the impact of collaboration and sharing academic research more widely. Um, and the other part of the budget comes from the public art uh, commitment that we have. So the first eight or nine artist collaborations that are identified through the networking that we briefly described um, are offered a £2,000 fee um, to explore further what that relationship might be, where the work will go and what the particular areas of research are that they're going to start investigating further. And then at the point where they've reached a, a sort of some clarity around what their work might be, um, <clears throat> there's another stage and four projects were selected and given a £15,000 making budget. If that work became more permanent or we develop it further, we will be looking at what other capital costs might be needed to give it more 
um, of more permanence. But the first year has been about the exhibition. Next year, we'll be looking at what <clears throat> the outcomes might be in a, a more iterative way. Excellent. Thank you very much, Sam. And thank you very much, David. I think we have now reached the end of this, of this session. So I would like to thank you again for your inspiring talks and, and work. And I would also like to thank the audience for being with us today and to remind that the lunch hour lecture continues. So next week, we've got two sessions, one on Tuesday on mental, mental health and also one on Thursday uh, on our planet, our health. Uh, it will be the second UCList-related uh, lecture given by Professor Jones. Thank you very much, everybody, and uh, enjoy the rest of the afternoon.